When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's the most anticipated WNBA season in history. And you know what that means. Court is back in session. Welcome to Queens of the Court, an Odyssey original podcast. I'm your girl, Cheryl Swoop. And I'm Jordan Robinson. All WNBA season long, we'll be bringing you interviews with star athletes, analysis on your favorite teams, and lots of hot takes. Order, order in the court. Follow and listen to Queens of the Court on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. It's time. It's time. It's time for the hard-hitting analysis you won't find anywhere else. Here's former Super Bowl winning scout Brian Broaddus and Bobby Belt. Ten, five, victory! Cowboys win! This is Love of the Star. Star. Welcome to Love of the Star podcast. I am Bobby Belt, Dallas Cowboys insider for 105.3 The Fan, the radio flagship home of your Dallas Cowboys, joined as always by former Super Bowl winning NFL scout Brian Broaddus. He is now the co-host of the G-Bag Nation, 2 to 7 p.m. Central, Monday through Friday on 105.3 The Fan. He's also the pre- and post-game co-host on the Dallas Cowboys radio network alongside our uh, 105.3 The Fan teammates, Zach Wolchuk and Eric Chiafalo. Uh Brian, how you doing today, man? I'm doing very well. Thank you very much. Uh, excited. Man, this season is flying by right now. I know we got through really a bye is. week, yeah, and you know what, week ten already. So uh, here we go, and uh, this is a big game, and we're about to have a big bunch of big games for the Cowboys. I think that you know uh, we'll see if Philadelphia can what's happening with their situations and playing very well. But the second half is uh, always fun, and I just always remember Bill Parcells saying this. You know, you kind of know who what your team is by the time you get to Thanksgiving. And, like, I think we're real close to Thanksgiving. So uh, we're starting to learn a lot more about the team every week when we watch them play. We are, um, and and I think we're learning good things about this football team for the most part. Um, they're, they're getting stronger as they go on. I think we, we've talked in recent weeks about, you know, the discussion of are they better this year at 6-2 and two than they were last year at 6-2. and two. Um, and, and I think we all feel pretty good about where they're at. Um, I... I I still probably preferred where the offense was at this time last year, um, and I, I still think the defense was good. Uh, but I mean, it's hard to complain with the the high level that the defense has played at so far this season. We did get a chance to go into locker room. I know last time we left off with you guys, we talked about how we were going to go into locker room today, get a chance to talk to Dak Prescott, get a chance to talk to C.D. Lamb, and that we would get their thoughts on Odell Beckham Jr. This is not going to be a whole Odell Beckham Jr. show, so don't worry about that. If you're if you're burned out on the Odell speculation. We're just going to update you on what CD and Dak said, and then uh, we'll move on to the rest of some of their comments that they had in locker room today. But uh, Brian, dealer's choice. You want to hear what the quarterback or the receiver had to say first about uh, Odell Beckham? 
Let me hear from the receiver. All right. This is what CeeDee Lamb had to say to reporters on Thursday about the prospects of Odell Beckham Jr. joining the Cowboys. My reaction? Oh, that's my boy. Um, I'm a fan of Odell for sure. Um, I feel like here, why, why wouldn't you want to add, you know, more firepower to this offense? Some would take the Odell talk as, well, he's the number one receiver. and They consider you a number one receiver. You've taken it. Just bring him on. Why do you have that attitude? Why do I have that? I mean... MG's a number one receiver also, you know, and I feel like we had three receiver, three number one receivers my rookie year. So, I mean, why not get back to that? Michael Gallup, by the way, who he referenced there, went on NFL Network on Thursday afternoon, also endorsed the idea of bringing Odell Beckham on board. So everybody uh, praising this one or, or, or cheering for Odell Beckham to become a Cowboy, it seems like, in that locker room. Uh, shout out to Calvin Watkins from the Dallas Morning News who asked that question as – as gently as possible, I think, as to, hey, CD, why are you not offended at the idea that they think they need to go get another stud receiver? Uh, aren't you supposed to be filling that role? And I think CD handled it well and said, look, MG's the number one receiver too. The, I'm not threatened by his presence. We all, you know, it, it helps us win. Let's get more of these guys. Uh, Brian, the, the full court press continues, and I think it's good that we've now gotten to hear from the guys in that receiver room that they're also on board and that they also like the idea of Odell Beckham joining this team. Yeah, you know, they teams do a good job, I think, of saying the right thing. I think when you're winning, uh, it really helps. I know that Dak and Zeke and others talk about uh, the camaraderie that they do have in that locker room. Yep. But I also believe there's a side of these receivers uh, where it's Gallup or Lamb or Noah Brown or anybody else that plays in that room. Yeah, they – to have Odell Beckham would definitely help the team, but there also has to be a side of you. And I'm not trying to stir stuff up here. Sure. I'm just saying it's human nature. Mm-hmm. You know, if they bring somebody, if they want to bring somebody in, if they want to give up a second round pick or give up uh, $18 million when, you know, I've got a contract coming up here in a couple of years, you know, I, I, I think most guys do welcome competition, but there's also a side of you that, it's like, wow, do they not feel like I'm doing the job? Sure. Uh, do I need to do better? Uh, are you creating doubt? Uh, it's only natural. It's only human nature. You know, I mean, listen, uh, <laughs> my guy, Chris Ballard at <laughs> the Colts, he doesn't need to be told how to hire a coach, but look who they have as a coach. You know, right. there's there was a little bit of say the right thing up there at that press conference for the Colts the other day, but he also – Deep down inside, when he went back to his uh, his office and closed the door and sat there for a minute, he thought, wow, I have yet to deliver a quarterback. I've yet to deliver a head coach. Uh, we've lost coaches. I haven't replaced those guys. You know, that's the kind of thing, the doubt that kind of creeps into your mind that, you know, you could, as we like to say in the G-Bag Nation, walk out crotch first, you know, and but when you kind of get kicked in the crotch a couple of times, it hurts, and and reality is that you don't want to get kicked in the crotch anymore. Yeah. So, I I think that I think the fact that they're six and two, I think the fact that they they realize the type of talent that that Odell Beckham is, I they're they're doing a great job of recruiting and at all hands, not just the the you know the quarterback or the running back or the head coach uh, or the general manager. The receivers have also stepped up and said, hey. And even though their pride might be hurt, just just a slight bit. Well, and I, I guess I'm, 
I, I wonder if this answer is a little different or, or if we'd sense a little bit more bruised ego if this question was posed to Noah Brown, right? Like Michael Gallup and uh, CeeDee Lamb, even if Odell Beckham's here, they're starting. They're playing a ton. Noah Brown's the one who sees his snaps and his touches decrease significantly with the addition of Odell Beckham. So maybe that's one of the guys that that would have to weigh in on that. I know Barry Church had mentioned on DallasCowboys.com that he'd say, he said, if I'm in that locker room, uh, I'm maybe wondering how's this affecting a guy like Noah Brown? Um, because he is the guy who's who's probably most at risk from losing these touches. But look, also at the end of the day, I think you got to do what's best for your football team. You can't worry about, you know, the the bruised ego or, or whatever else of, of a guy like Noah Brown. That can't be the reason you don't make the move on Odell Beckham. A uh, couple more cuts from CeeDee Lamb here uh, since we started with Lamb. CeeDee Lamb on the wide receiver core and its growth that occurred during Dak Prescott's absence after week one. Felt like we definitely had a, a bigger role. We for sure had to step up, and I felt like mentally it uh, did us all a favor. Honestly, uh, not having Dak, I felt like everyone else, you know, on the team felt like we had to step up. So just adding it back in the fold with the mentality that, that we already have, I feel like that's just the result that you're going to get. I haven't heard this point brought up much, actually, and it was kind of interesting when I heard him talk about it there, Brian. Do you think there is some silver lining almost? that the receiving core had to find themselves and, and had to, to play like a group without Dak Prescott, like, like almost level up their play out of necessity. And then, you know, uh, then it, it creates an easier scenario when Dak Prescott gets back. I mean, obviously you would have preferred to have Dak the whole season, but it was kind of an interesting discussion there that I hadn't really thought about yet that the receiving core may have, have tapped into something or, or a work ethic or a camaraderie that they may not have had normally if Dak Prescott was in there the whole time. Yeah, I think there's some to that. I also feel like that, and you were quick to notice this last spring when they brought in a new wide receivers coach, mm-hmm. that the dynamic of the room needed to change. Yeah, There needed to be more juice. There needed to be more uh, to their game. And I think we're seeing that. You know, uh, yeah, Those guys, I thought, like I said, Noah Brown, uh, you know, did a, a really nice job. This summer, yeah, uh, and they they you know he shows up the Cincinnati game. And we keep talking about that. They win the game because of Noah Brown, yep. And you know they 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 kind of they got through the time where Michael Gallup, where Michael Gallup has had you know, doubt about you know not his ability, confidence in that knee, confidence, yeah. yeah. And so as a group. You know, they've dealt with a lot with CeeDee Lamb all of a sudden being, okay, you're the number one guy. Here we go. You know, and I, I think that each one of these receivers have had to deal with something on their own. And, you know, and hopefully the second half, you know, whether they add Odell Beckham or not, I, I honestly believe what's going to happen is that if they get Odell Beckham, they're going to slow play James Washington being active. I, I, don't see that as being something that's going to be pushed for. Sure. I'd see that maybe as a guy. Because then, then you have to make roster decisions. Yeah. And then it's like, let's wait, let's wait, let's wait. But if they don't get Beckham, then you're going to see that clock start for James Washington. And he'll probably be ready to go. And it, it probably won't be three weeks, you know? So the, the fact, do you, do you find it interesting? I'm curious. We had heard this was supposed to be the week he was going to start his window. And then Mike McCarthy came back and said, Hey, look, we got a tight window coming up here at games and, and things like that. And so we're we're gonna, you know, delay opening the window a little bit. 
But they knew those that factor was there a little bit. Do you think, and maybe I'm being too conspiracy minded here, but do you think you mentioned there if they get Odell Beckham back, if they get Odell Beckham, maybe they slow play. Do you think the Odell Beckham factor at all is in play there for why they decided, hey, let's not open the window yet. Let's see how this goes. Yeah, that's exactly why I think that they they do not they do not want to have to make a decision right now. They're gonna I have a feeling it's they're gonna figure out the Beckham thing if it's a yay. Slow play. If it's a nay, welcome back. He's he's obviously healthy. He's ready to go. They sure. can talk about scheduling, you know, on his own. And they, and they probably explained that to him. You know, they said, listen, you're not playing right now. We're still paying you. We'd like to keep you around. Uh, but, you know, we'll keep you on this team. But you never know what's going to happen week to week with these wide receivers. Right. You know, and, and but if – everything stays status quo and healthy throughout, then it's going to be one or the other. And but getting back with these wide receivers, I just feel like that each one of them, like I said, has dealt with something. And, you know, they've, they've, they've come together. They played without their quarterback. You know, they figured things out. I I think it's made them a stronger group. Uh, Is it the, is it the flashiest group? No, but is it maybe a group that you can rely on? And yeah, but you put Odell Beckham with this group. Now you, I think you got a little bit different dynamic to it. Absolutely. Uh, you know, one of the questions coming into the bye week, Mike McCarthy mentioned this couldn't have come at a better time for us. They were really banged up. They could use the time off. And while that is the case, and I think that they would prefer that uh, benefit over any potential negatives, I had thought about this uh, heading into the bye week that, man, this. You just get Dak back for two weeks, starting to find his rhythm already, and then you got to sit down another week. Like that's a little frustrating. I feel like that you can't continue that 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 you know momentum and that rhythm there. And Ceedee Lamb was asked about that today. Uh, you know, finding that offensive rhythm again, keeping that offensive rhythm going after a bye week. I uh, just going to you know self scout ourselves from previous weeks and seeing the good and the bad that we did, and kind of you know harp on the bad. I mean, we applaud ourselves for the good. I mean, that's you know it's good to see that you're you know progressing week in and week out. But uh, like I said, just fix the negatives, capitalize on all missed opportunities, and uh, just be consistent. We talked about self-scouting uh, during the bye week, and one of the names that came up when we were talking about self-scouting, Brian, was Kevontae Turpin and and how much more maybe you you get him some additional looks. Um, you know, this is a little more what C.D. Lamb's talking about, I think, is just cleaning up your game and, and fixing some issues. How much in your experience when you were in the NFL, Brian, did the bye week provide an opportunity for you to like give you time to fix things that you wouldn't normally to have time to fix in a game week? Yeah, absolutely. And it, you know, with the new, when I was in the league last in 2005 and it's a thousand years ago as (laughs) we look at it, but you know, you could control the bye week of coaches were able to like practice guys. You were able to like, okay, we're going to practice three days and then we'll give you Friday and Saturday off. But we'll practice, you know, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and then we'll give you Friday, Saturday off and come back Monday and we'll be ready to go. And that that's kind of how things operated. And now with the collective bargaining, they have to give you those four consecutive days off. And the Cowboys were off on Monday and then have to report back to the following Monday. Okay, so now you can't work with your players, you know, but what you could do as a staff is you could work until Thursday and you could sit down and talk about, okay, 
what are some of the things that we didn't do in the first half that we need to think about or we could show that could help us win some of these games? Yeah. I, I think there's stuff going to come. I think there's going to be Turpin packages uh, and usage for him. I think that Dan Quinn's holding some things in reserve for Michael Parsons, you know, and to how to rush him, different blitzes. You know, Dan Quinn, you're not going to show all your good stuff, you know, at, at all the time. I mean, I mean, not all the time, but you're not going to show it all early and say, well, that's it, guys. I, I got nothing else to build on from here. I think as a coach, you sit down and, as a staff and you get very creative when you get to your bye week. And, you know, it might not be the position coaches – but the quality control guys, maybe the quality, you know, the Cowboys have yet to run any type of screen that's been worth a damn, you know? Maybe you have your quality control coaches studying the best screen teams in the league and then saying, okay, hey, this is how the Eagles run their screen packages. This is how Kansas City runs their screen packages. This is how. So maybe you can come up with some ideas and the really good coordinators steal from each other. They, they're like, hey, I, I, you know, I, Mike's getting my experience. John Gruden, Andy Reid. Andy Reid was a, you know, assistant offensive line tight ends coach in Green Bay. John Gruden was a, a wide receivers coach. Young, you, two young guys, really kind of low on the totem pole, but were always coming up with plays that they'd stolen from some other team. Right. And, and you no, know, and that and that was with small that was with small coaching staffs back in the early nineties. Now you've got these staffs that have twenty six guys on it. Assistants to the assistants, yeah, is what you got here. So, uh, long story short, again, uh, yeah, I think you're going to see some things. But the the Cowboys, yes, but other teams are feeling the same way when they get to their buys. Let's get to a couple cuts of uh, Dak Prescott to finish up this segment, then we'll carry over a few for the the preview of the Green Bay game. Uh, but of course, we've mentioned the Odell Beckham discussion, Brian. You know, we uh, we were talking in the press conference room, getting ready to go down to locker, and we were all trying to anticipate. All right, what will Dak's take be? And we all predicted a political answer from Dak, a more political answer than the others had given, more in line with the type of answer Mike McCarthy gave, that is flattering but not necessarily aggressive. You know, recruiting at least publicly. I'm sure Dak's doing his share of it behind the scenes. But here was Dak Prescott being asked about the Odell Beckham Jr. rumors. Uh, I mean, yeah, anytime you have a chance to add a talent like that and knowing Odell, knowing his resume, um, it's exciting. But understand it's also a business, and there's, I'm sure, 31 other teams that would like to add him as well. How much do you think he practiced that answer in the mirror? He knew that question was coming. I'm sure he had every word of that planned out. Yeah, that's that's – but that's – you know, that's where you get that. You know, yeah. he's he's got to be that way. I, I promise you guys, for those of you that, that feel that that's a little disappointed, I promise you whatever work can be done by Dak Prescott behind the scenes to ensure he's here, he will do. He, yeah. he, he is, you don't always see it up front because he plays the politician a lot of times, but he's a guy who recruits. He does his best behind the scenes to help things out. Yeah, absolutely. No, and that's, you know, that's he's always going to be that guy that's going to say the right things, not ruffle any feathers, be the company guy, fall on the sword when he needs to. You know, he knows those responsibilities. But behind the scenes, I guarantee you, he is trying his best. Whoever's got Odell Beckham's number, Dak Prescott's trying to get that number. And, they're you know, he's trying to call him, talk to him, whatever he has to do in order to make this thing work. 
Dak Prescott also asked about, you know, something we've discussed, how you're 6-2 and two last year, you're 6-2 and two again this year. What is the difference between these two teams? Just honestly, that locker room, uh, the culture, the brotherhood that we've honestly established and built on from last year. You know, being in last year at that time, you think it's all great until you see what we're capable of, where we are now. Uh, so it's just honestly, it's special. Just the connection, um, offensive, defense, special teams. Um, you, you can take that out of it when you're in the locker room. None of those things. There, there's not that divider. There's not that separation. Jersey colors don't matter. Uh, and we're just, we're growing. We're continuing to grow. Um, we're, we're much better than we were at this time last year. Put it like that. I think that's interesting. Jersey colors don't matter. Um, I think there was, there was a lot of locker room tension the first year Mike McCarthy was here. And, and I think that at times, some of it may have been defense, you're not doing your job, you know, offense. So, so that's an interesting reference there for him to say jersey colors don't matter. I think that's the blue-white reference of offense, defense. But, uh, Brian, how important in your experience is culture specific to the NFL? And, and you know, talent obviously is a big part of it. But, but how important is it to get 53 guys moving in the right direction? No, that's the most important thing is that, you know, it's you're going to deal with a lot of things throughout a season, but that's, you know, these guys, I think this locker room is very good. I I really do. I think it's really strong. I think they all really pull for each other. I I think that to me, you know, there's guys that look out for each other here. And, And that's, and that's why they believe that that's why they believe that they can bring in a guy like Odell Beckham and everything will be fine. Yep. They really do believe that. You know, it's Zeke said it the other day. He goes, heck, you can bring anybody in this locker room. We'll yeah. be fine. You know, they're not worried about division or chemistry chemistry problems or anything like that. They are, they are, they legitimately believe that add anybody to this room and we'll be just fine. You are listening to the Love of the Star podcast. The Love of the Star is an Odyssey podcast. You can find it on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did. All right, Brian, let's turn our sights specifically to this game, get some predictions in uh, for Sunday against the Green Bay Packers. We'll finish up some of this audio uh, from the locker room, some more insights from Dak Prescott, some insights from Tony Pollard ahead of this one against the Packers and, and kind of break things down. Before we do that, you know, I got to say thank you to our wonderful partner here at Love of the Star. It's Boomer Jacks. And I know you guys, because I've seen it on social media, you're tagging me and Brian in it. We see it. You guys love Boomer Jacks as much as we do. And we love that about you guys. Boomer Jacks is the perfect spot for whatever you're looking for. If you're looking for a great, you know, happy hour location for you and your coworkers, Boomer Jacks is where I would recommend. If you're looking for a nice night out with the family, Boomer Jacks is the spot that I would recommend to you. If you're looking for just a spot to go watch the game, any of the games, you know, basketball season's in play. Uh, you've obviously got football on the TV. If you want to go watch the game, go to Boomer Jacks. That would be my recommendation to you. Boomer Jacks has great drink specials starting at $3, the coldest beer around. You're not going to find colder beer than at Boomer Jacks. And I got to tell you, Tuesday and Wednesdays are the best days to go at Boomer Jacks because they got wing specials for you. Tuesday, it's half-price bone-in wings. Wednesday, it's half-price boneless wings. So go to Boomer Jacks. Get yourself hooked up. Wall-to-wall TVs, live music, a wonderful atmosphere. You're going to be glad you went. 17 DFW locations. You can find yours by going to BoomerJacks.com. That's BoomerJacks.com. 
All right, Brian, uh, you know, we, we've talked about the fact that, you know, we mentioned on yesterday's show that Dak Prescott has, has had some trouble in the cold weather before. Um, you know, he hasn't put up some of his best games there. It's supposed to be in the 30s, like low 30s by the time kickoff is there. I would bet we're into the 20s by the time we're near the end of the game. The sun set a little bit and, and we're, we've progressed. Oh, it's going to be dark. It's going to be probably dark when you kick that ball off. So there you go. It's, it's going to be cold. To it. yeah. It's going to yeah. be cold. We'll have already hit the high and been tracking down for a little yeah. bit by the time they play. So we've talked about this. I'm glad it got brought up today during media availability. Dak Prescott asked, how do you prepare your guys for this cold weather in Green Bay? Just for the guys to make sure they're staying warm on the sideline. I mean, I don't think 30s is necessarily that cold. Um, you look at this, the history and what it can get down to. Um, I've played in like that weather before, and I don't think that's near the coldest. So, um, yeah, just for us to stay warm and understanding that, yeah, we've got to do that on the sideline. And don't, don't sit there and let your, your joints and bones tighten up on you because we've got to be ready and with the defense that we have at any moment. You've been uh, you've been on that sideline in Green Bay. Is Dak right there? Will you? You're, if you're standing up there, is it easy to to almost tighten up a little bit in that cold weather at times? It takes a lot out of you. I, I remember uh, I, I watched in five years of working for the Packers. I've watched the majority of the games that we played in five years from the sidelines. And I've stood in minus eight, you know, minus three. I've stood in thirty two degree weather too. You know. Um, yes, it could be far worse up there. Uh, the thing that they're going to have to be ready for is the field, the field conditions. Um, it, the air is usually wet this time of year. It gets cold, and then it, the dew on the field, uh, it collects as you get later in the day, and as that game will wear on, the field will become extremely slick, and you have to be mindful of that. The Packers know that. Mike McCarthy knows that. And I think Mike McCarthy's team knows that. Oh, what yeah. De- we, we, we had CeeDee Lamb and Dak Prescott. We don't have the cuts here, but both of them talked today about how Mike McCarthy has harped on that all week and talked about the type of cleats they need to wear and that they yeah. said they are well aware of the field conditions on Sunday. Yeah, and, you know, uh, Mike McCord and Bucky Buchanan do a great job of, you know, Dylan, all those guys do a great job of, of taking care of the team and know what exactly what they need when they're up there. Um, it's going to be real important, though, that – um, you know, the, the thing that the thing that you have to worry about and you know, getting cold is one thing, but, the, you know, the thing is when it, it's it happens every time, you know, when you're when you're on a good run and you're playing great defense, you're on and off the field and the offense is going, you know, that that keeps everybody in the game. But when you get one team when say, for example, if Dallas goes on defense and Green Bay just decides to start running the football and they have great success doing that, yeah. and it turns into a 12-play, 13-play drive for 75 yards and 10 of those plays are running plays, that's hard because now the offense is standing over there getting cold, and then all of a sudden you go back out there on offense and you go three and out, you punt. Defense is out there to give up another drive. Now the defense, you know, the offense has now stood there and watched, you know, a team just, you know, milk the whole first quarter of the game. You know, that that's hard. That's where that, you know, that's where it's, you know, if you're a team that's moving the football, playing really good defense, you know, that complimentary football, the balance, everybody's staying involved, you'll never feel the cold. But you get to a game where one team starts dominating the other. It gets real cold real fast, and you can see those teams that are getting beat will be huddled around those heaters, you know, like, let's get this game over with. So it's it's going to be about getting three and outs for the defense, 
And it's going to be about trying to drive this football if you can uh, for the offense and score points every opportunity that you get. Dak Prescott has played in three games this season, Brian. They have all come at home. So he's been healthy for four weeks out of the season. It's been three games at home and a bye week. And now he's finally getting on the road. Dak was asked about the challenge of playing his first road game of the season. I feel like the challenges were throughout the week, just making sure our communication um, is on point, nonverbal. I um, understand you're going into a place uh, like Green Bay that has the history of, of being a, a loud place, a chaotic place. But then obviously you add the circumstances we're coming in with. Uh, yeah, we're, we're sure it's going to be an electric environment, but just making sure we have all our, our communication right. And once the ball snaps, there's no different. It doesn't matter where you're playing. You've uh, been at Lambeau for several Cowboys games. How do Cowboys fans travel to that stadium? No, it's a it's a destination place, and you're catching it really uh, early enough in the year where you know if you if if um, if I were to recommend to go to a game at Lambeau Field, yeah, go to an early November game, middle November. Once you get near Christmas and the end of the year and all that, that's where you get to the temperatures where there potentially could be you know seven eight degrees or. You know, you just don't want to sit, dude. That's very uncomfortable to be a part of. Uh, but these games when they're 32 degrees, temperature dipping down into the you know, high 20s, you know, that's that's okay. You can bundle up. Uh, the thing that you're going to know in this game is the crowd will be different. They're loud. Uh, they But the sound of them clapping with gloves on is a whole different sound of it's that muffled, that almost that <laughs> <laughs> like that, you know, yeah. you know, and it's and it's all the crowd, and and they get into it, and they're a very they're a very uh, intelligent crowd. Uh, they know when to when to, to cheer, when not to cheer, when to you know. It's it's a it's a great environment for football. It really really is, and you know, for a long time there, the Green Bay Packers were outstanding at home. People have found a way to kind of get the best of them here as of late, but it'll be a, a much different environment for the Cowboys. Let's take a look at the injury update. Thursday is the big padded practice day. It, it kind of tells you a lot. Let's look at Green Bay first. There are four significant injuries likely keeping guys out of the lineup this week. Um, I, I mean, one of them we already knew was definitely out of the lineup. That was going to be Rashawn Gary. He's done for the year. Uh, big time pass rusher for them. Uh, it appears Romeo Dobbs is going to miss this one with an ankle injury. He still has not practiced. He didn't practice on Thursday. Uh, linebacker Devondre Campbell looks to be out for a second week in a row with an issue. I think that's a significant injury for them because Devondre yeah. Campbell had played well um, had. leading up to getting hurt in the Buffalo game. Yeah. Um, and so that's a tough one for them to lose, especially now with Rashawn Gary out on that side. And another defensive player that they're going to be missing, it appears, uh, cornerback Eric Stokes, the rookie. CeeDee Lamb actually mentioned him at his media availability today, talked about how he liked what he had seen from him on film, thought he looked like he's got a promising future. Uh, but Eric Stokes, the the chatter around Green Bay is he very likely could go on IR soon following yeah. his injury against the Lions. So four big injuries there in Gary, Dobbs, Campbell, and Stokes. Uh, they've still got a number of guys on the the injury report. David Bakhtiari, uh, Mason Crosby, uh, Rasul Douglas, you know, Aaron Jones, guys like this. But, you know, we, we moved on from the portion, as you mentioned. You thought, today, watch, we're going to see most of those guys are not DNPs. You're going to see a lot yeah. of limited. There was a lot of limited, a lot of changes there. So, looks like they will have some of these guys like Aaron Jones and Alan Lazard. So, so some key pickups there for the the Packers. Uh, for the Cowboys, Anthony Barr still did not practice this week. He's out this week. I don't. There's zero chance. No. He, he was yeah, in, I don't think he was playing. in sweats uh, doing. Uh, he was on resistance cords with Tyron Smith. Actually, good to see Tyron Smith out there doing yeah. resistance cord work. Um, but then the the other one, the big one we're watching there, Ezekiel Elliott. And I gotta yeah. say, I know you left off yesterday. We we're talking about this was going to be a big day for him. 
I think he looked good what we saw. And I don't know what you've heard, Brian, if there's anything positive there, but I think we at least had a, a more positive day today. I know we felt 50-50 yesterday. I at least feel a little better maybe leaning towards he's able to go this weekend. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Um, you know, we are kind of thinking about, well, you know, if he didn't do anything today, then they would be in a situation where he probably wouldn't play. But talking to people in the organization, they felt like he had a really a better day than yesterday, been able to do more. We'll see what he does on Friday, but at least it's trending in the right direction. Again, we'll, you know, the, you and I won't have an opportunity to talk again, you know, on the podcast, but at least today was a positive day. And, uh, but they also said this though, you know, if he didn't have a positive day, then there was going to be, Hey, these games come quick. I know I mentioned that in the last podcast we had where it was, you know, it was like, you know, we get him ready for the Vikings, get him ready for the Giants. But uh, at least I think he's trending in the right direction. We'll see what happens, you know, on a field that we've been talking about, Bobby. It's going to be a little bit slick for this game. Running the ball is undoubtedly going to be a, a big part of the game plan, I would guess, for the Cowboys this weekend, with or without Ezekiel Elliott. Uh, the Packers allow a lot of yards on the ground. Um, and, and even though they're second in the NFL in passing yards allowed, there's a bit of smoke and mirrors to that. They're middle of the pack, about 15th in the NFL in net yards per attempt. So it's not that they're, you know, the, the reason for the the being second in the NFL and just raw passing yards allowed, because teams haven't done it. They've had a lot of success running on Green Bay. They yeah. haven't needed to. Uh, and now with Eric Stokes out, that clearly makes them a little bit more vulnerable. But but obviously, there there's going to be a, a big running element to this game, just given the weather, given the way the Packers struggle with that, given the slick field conditions and how tough that may be uh, for the team to get vertical in, in their passing routes and everything else. Uh, Tony Pollard talked to the media today and had an interesting kind of back and forth talking about his ability to handle more touches specifically. And you'll hear this at the start of the question from Todd Archer after Skip Pete had kind of indicated last week, hey, you know, we, we kind of want to keep Tony Pollard probably capped around 30 snaps. Uh, here was an, the interesting exchange about Tony Pollard and his workload uh, with the media on Thursday. Skip was saying that 30 snaps is kind of like where they want to keep you at. Do you try to say, I got more, I can do more? Yeah, I definitely could do more. How, do you tell him that, or how does that? Um, It's understood. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> he said, did you uh, tell him that? He said it last week. Did you tell him? Since the bye week? No, nah, I hadn't talked to him about it, but I'm pretty sure he didn't mean it exactly like 30 play cutoff. Right. Yeah. He said uh, after your long touchdown in the fourth quarter, they were like, all right, I'm done for the game. Is that is that is that what you said and felt, or was it more kind of – That was more of a joking, you know, not really like I don't got anything left. more like, you know, it's pretty much, you know, ready to let the young guys go in there and get some work. So that was pretty much what that was. Yeah. Interesting there that, uh, boy, he, he was quick to push back against the idea of Skip Pete saying he's capped at 30 snaps. He's like, no, nope, I can handle more than that. He's joking. I can handle more. Yeah. And, yeah, and you know, there was discussion about him saying I'm done. Like, he was kind of gassed or whatever you know, on that Chicago run, the mic'd up segment. And he, he, again, came back there with, no, that was a joke. That's more like get the young guys in there. That's all I meant there. I'm good. This is a guy who clearly wants to or, or believes he can carry the ball more. He's had that line. You call it, I'm a haul it. And, and that's clearly how he feels about it. Um Ryan, do you think we see Tony Pollard, with or without Ezekiel Elliott, pass the 14 carry mark this weekend for the first time in his career? I think they're going to have to do it if he if he plays. Uh, yeah, I think they're going to have to carry the. He's going to have to carry the ball more than 14 times, and I think it'll be for the good of the Cowboys because of. I don't think the the Packers secondary tackles particularly well, 
you know, I, I feel like their safeties have, have had some issues in the hole. Uh, Savage has had some issues tackling. So, yeah, we'll see with, uh, you know, this group. And, you know, if Tony Pollard, that ability to make people miss, uh, could be super productive uh, in this game. And so, yeah, if he carries the ball more than 14 times, there's probably a pretty good chance the Dallas Cowboys are going to win this game. One area where the Packers have been really good this season, Brian, is on third down. The defense specifically, they're allowing just 32.7% conversions. That's second best in the NFL. How important are first and second down going to be for the Cowboys, do you think, this week to make sure that they're not in third and long situations and kind of playing into the Packers' hands on that? Yeah, I think there's going to have to be that, you know, when you look at how Kellen Moore is going to call this game, he has to be very mindful. You know, every run – that if it's one, two yards, three yards, four yards, whatever, you got to keep after it. And I'm not trying to be crusty, just run the ball guy. But when this team does have balance, boy, it just helps Dak Prescott. And it sets up other opportunities with the back, with the waggles and the boots and the, you know, those types of games that they like to play. And getting the tight ends involved, it gets the other guys open down the field. You can't get, even with Gary being out of the lineup here for Green Bay, you know, Preston Smith can still rush the pass. Absolutely. You know, you know, and this, you know, and talking to people around the league, this game against the Packers, the off the way the Packers play defense is very similar to how you see the Rams play defense. So the Cowboys have had what did the Cowboys do against the Rams? I know the Rams is different personnel, but they ran the football. Yep. You know, so if you feel like that you can get in some schemes and some blocks, down blocks. Uh, you know, angle blocks, whatever you have to do, by all means, get into that because that game plan against the Rams, it wasn't about throwing the football. It was about running the football and, and having some success and playing really, really good defense. So uh, I, I'm all I'm all aboard for uh, I'm just not saying have balance to have balance, but I really, really do believe this team is so much better when it's not heavy one way or the other. But if you get into a mode in this game where, you know, where – where Tony Pollard's playing and he's having some good touches. If Zeke's playing, he's got good touches, keep it going. Or, you know, with Malik Davis. You know, Malik Davis has shown some good things too. So, by all means, you know, if you can load up and and make things difficult for this Packer defense uh, to have to deal with your physicality playing in the run game, go for it. With Aaron Rodgers struggling like he has, is there a case to be made that Aaron Jones is the best player on the Packers? I think, it, you know, I was talking to people in Green Bay on Thursday about He's this. really good. He's really, he, really yeah, good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And that's and I, I was asking him, like, listen, hey, uh, is that guy not going to play running back for you guys this week? And they're like, no, no, he'll play. He's, he's, he's one, and you're right. He's one of their better, he's one of their better players. And, you know, that's, that's what they're going to, that's what they're going to lean on. I think this is a, I think this is going to be a game where both teams really try and establish running the football. Yeah. And whoever has the most successes doing it uh, is going to put the other team in a world of hurt. Yeah, Aaron Jones has played against the Cowboys twice in his career. In those games, Brian, he had 134 yards from scrimmage on 20 touches. And then in the other game, he had 182 yards from scrimmage on 26 touches. And he's scored five touchdowns in his two career games. So he is definitely going to be a big focus for the Cowboys. And it's not just the Cowboys that he's done this to. He's put up some monster games this season. He is a really, really good player. And with the way the Cowboys have struggled with, you know, physical runners and, and issues like that during the season, 
He's definitely going to be a big factor on Sunday. Prediction time, Brian brought us. Uh, I'll go ahead and uh, give my score since I know that you've been grappling with this one a little bit. I feel confident the Cowboys win this game. I just think they're better than the Packers. We haven't seen that the Packers have been able to consistently put points on the board in recent weeks. Uh, And, you know, you're talking about the way the conditions are going to be out there. Give me the Cowboys in this one. I'll take Dallas 27 to 13. You know what? I've been... Excuse me, Bobby. I've been going back and forth on this because everybody that I trust and love and care about are telling me how bad the Green Bay Packers are. Everybody. Yep. It's like, no, this is – I'm talking to guys in Green Bay. No, this is not the same team. It's, you know, they're going to have problems with Dallas. I really, really, really want to believe that. I really want to do that. And, you know, I there's a side of me that I can't believe that Green Bay would lose six games. I really not with Aaron Rodgers a quarterback, and I think this is one of those things. I think this game means a lot to Mike McCarthy. I kind of feel like it means a lot to Aaron Rodgers too, and that's what scares me a little bit. So I'll say this: I am going to pick the Cowboys. I think this is going to be a tough one. I I, I can see this thing being. I, I see this thing being twenty six twenty three. Okay. Dallas win it win in the game, and but we could get back here on Monday or talk about it. And if Dallas lost this game, I wouldn't be surprised. But there are so many people in my life that, I, like I said, I trust and care about that know these teams. And they're just adamant. Green Bay is not a good team. Green Bay is not good right now. Green Bay. And I'm thinking, they still got Aaron Rodgers quarter. You know, and they still got that running back. You know, they still got They still got Preston Smith. All it takes is a slip by Anthony Brown in coverage on Alan Lazar. All it takes is a, a, a slip uh, by Peyton Hendershot on a waggle, and it turns into an interception. And now, you know, all it takes is a a, a fumble by Turpin or something. You know, it, that's when you're a better team, you just you play in a way that you just don't make it a doubt. Don't make it – I just think this is going to be a tough game. I do have the Cowboys win it like again, 26-23. You are listening to the Love of the Stars podcast. The Love of the Stars an Odyssey podcast. You can find it on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, it is now time for our favorite part of the show. It is our listener mailbag where we turn things over to you, our dear sweet listeners, and let you guys drive the conversation for Brian and I here on the show. Before we do that, I want to say thank you once again to our wonderful partner here at Love of the Star. It is Boomer Jacks. I keep telling you guys Tuesdays and Wednesdays are the days to go to Boomer Jacks because they have great deals on wings. Tuesday, it's half-price bone-in wings. Wednesday, it's half-price boneless wings. But really, any other day of the week is great, too, because if you're looking for a good atmosphere for happy hour with the coworkers or somewhere to watch the game with your buddies or somewhere to have dinner with the family, Boomer Jacks is the perfect spot for all of that. They have great drink specials starting at $3, the coldest beer around, and great food. It's not just the wings that's good. Everything there is good. If you go to Boomer Jacks, you're going to find there that they have wall-to-wall TVs, live music, just a wonderful atmosphere, 17 DFW locations. You can find yours by going to boomerjacks.com. That's boomerjacks.com. Brian, let's run into some of these questions really quickly. First one here from Brandon. Uh, Brandon is asking, which holiday game concerns you the most? Is it Thanksgiving against the Giants or Christmas Eve against the Eagles? So which one are you more concerned with there, Brian? Thanksgiving or Christmas? I kind of felt like when you and I went through the games uh, a few episodes ago, we kind of were talking about what we expected the second half. I think I said Cowboys beat Packers, beat Vikings, lose to Giants. You did. You did. And then you had them beating the Eagles on Christmas. And it did. So I 
I kind of feel like I, we'll see how the Giants are playing uh, at that point in time by we get to Thanksgiving, but kind of felt like that the, that that this you know the Giants Leonard Williams didn't play the last time that these two no, teams met, right? Did not did not. And the, and the Cowboys had some success running the ball when Leonard Williams was playing against everybody else. They had no success moving the ball. So uh, yeah, I I guess I'm going to say the. Uh, the uh, the game against the Thanksgiving because the Cowboys haven't played well on Thanksgiving. When's the last time they played well on Thanksgiving? When's the last time? I mean, I remember some bad losses against um, Buffalo, the Chargers, the Raiders. Yeah, I remember some bad, bad, bad losses that the Cowboys have had on. It's a good question. They uh, who did they get on Thanksgiving last year? It was the Raiders? They lost Raiders, that one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Twenty nineteen. Who did they have? They were Thanksgiving that year. It was the Bills. They lost that Got one eight. pretty ugly. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh-huh. All right. That's not lovely. Uh, 2018, that was in the middle of the Coop winning streak. That had to be good, right? Yeah, they beat Washington 31-23. That was Coop had a big game there. So I guess uh-huh. that one, that was the last one that, that was that was really good. Uh, but uh-huh. look, I'm not concerned with either game, honestly. I think that Dallas wins both those games. And I, I think that, you know, when you looked at the Philly game specifically, if they have their quarterback, I think they beat the Eagles that night. Um, and so the, the one that concerns me the most, I guess, out of the two, would be Philadelphia just because I think that's a better football team right now. Uh, but ultimately, I, I think the Cowboys. I wouldn't be. Those. I wouldn't be surprised if uh, the Phillies' first loss would be against Chicago the week before they play Dallas. That'd be very I intriguing. Would, I'd take it. I wouldn't. I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised to see Chicago win in Chicago against Philadelphia, and then Philadelphia come to Dallas and get beat back to back. Back-to-back games. I would take it. Uh, question here from Ryan Trammell. Are either of you concerned that C.D. Lamb isn't more dominant? When drafted, I expected a playmaking number one wideout, but so far I think he's been good but not great. Am I wrong to have those expectations? Is he being used correctly? Thanks for the best Cowboys podcast out there. Well, thank you for that, Ryan. Um, yeah, I think we've both been pretty upfront with the fact that is he the guy that they thought they were getting the night they drafted him? I don't think so. I think if you got oh. people an honest moment in the organization, they would tell you, yeah, okay, he hasn't quite been what we wanted. I don't think they're disappointed in him. I, I, I think they're happy in, in what he's done. I, I think they're fans of his. But I think if you ask them, has he been exactly what you thought? Has he been the sixth best player that was on your board? I think they'd have to say probably not. No, he, he's not quite that, but he's still very good. Yeah, and I don't know if that's all his fault or no. a little bit of Kellen Moore. You know, I, uh, I know one thing. When I watched Lincoln Riley call plays for him, that was a dynamic player. Yeah. That really was a dynamic player. And I think right now he's a good player. I think the thing you have to look at, though, and be honest with yourself, Cowboys have tried to go get Brandon Cooks, and they're working on Odell Beckham. Yep. You know? And they called that on Jerry of, Judy. And they called on Jerry Judy. That's, you know, I, I think it's, you know, read into it what you want. They know they have to be better at wide receiver, and – you know, I, I'm not going to sit there and put it all on C.D. Lamb, but I think C.D. Lamb does the best he can with the plays that he's asked to run. When when it's bad, you know, that's when you see the DAC interceptions and you're like, okay, what just happened there? Why was he not? They, the, the Cowboys are going after Odell Beckham because he goes and gets the football. That's something they don't have right now with their current receiver. Fun fact, C.D. Lamb told us today he wanted to be a running back when he was growing up, Brian. Mm-hmm. And so he was born, what, 1998, I think? So so who do you think he said was his favorite running back growing up? Is he a Ricky Williams guy? He's a Reggie Bush guy. 
Reggie Bush. Which, you know, you, you, you've seen him do some of that stuff in the open field, like when he juked out mm-hmm. Malcolm Jenkins and stuff. Not totally surprising, but he... Did I get uh, the right arrow for Ricky Williams? Uh, Ricky was more like around when he was born, because Ricky was drafted in 99. So, uh, yeah. so he... Uh, but, but, you know, about, about six, seven years off, but, but not too bad. Yeah. Uh, no, that was it. I mean, you said his fate when he was born. I was thinking that when he was born... Who was his favorite? Oh, so you're saying when he was older. Okay. Well, yeah, because he was born in 98. I was, I was so trying like, to, I, yeah, he was born in 98. I was thinking, well, his favorite back. Uh, well, Ryan. that's right in that sense. Yeah, sure. I mean, yeah. hey, look, that's why that's why I'm a Texas yeah. fan was Ricky Williams was great there when I first go. started getting into college football. There you go. Uh, last Reggie question Bush. here from Zach Young. Do you think the Cowboys game plan should be to blitz Aaron Rodgers more Sunday, considering their O-line isn't as good as years past? Jones is banged up, and they have a very lackluster wide receiving core. Generally, in the past, teams have tried not to blitz him. They don't like him breaking the pocket. They don't like him being able to freelance and make some plays. Look, if you can blitz and wrap him up quickly and, and finish plays, sure, that'd be great. But generally, you know, it's the old Rod Marinelli line, keep him in a well. You want to keep him in that pocket and, and you know, keep him confined in there, and that's where he generally has more struggles. Yeah, and, uh, you know, if you watch the Buffalo game, they did a good job of getting pressure up the middle. You know, that's a – but the thing about Rodgers, I don't think he's going to let Dallas sack him. Uh, and they do a really good job of throwing the ball to the flat real quick. They get bunch formations, throw the ball to like a receiver real quick, you know, almost like a little screen. Yep. Rodgers is not going to – he fights that coach. He fights that coach because he doesn't want to play under center. He likes to play in the gun. And that coach, all he likes to do is play under center, play action, and run a lot of motions. Rodgers doesn't like any of that stuff. He likes to play in the gun where he can see everything and manipulate everything. So blitzing Aaron Rodgers, I think, is at your own peril. But if you could get a slot blitz home or something like that, you know, he – one thing I'm going to say this about Aaron Rodgers, if you're rushing him, get your hands up. Just get hands up as you're getting close. Just throw your hands up because sometimes this ball trajectory is really low across. Ergen against Detroit. Yeah, and against the Giants. Yeah. Look at the last several plays of that Giants game and how many balls were knocked in the air. So if you're rushing Aaron Rodgers, blitzing Aaron Rodgers, jump, get in the air, hands up. You might knock a ball down coming out of his hands and he might save you a big play. That does it for us here on The Love of the Star. We appreciate you guys for listening. We will be back with you guys again on Monday. Talk to you then.